Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode two of Coast to Coast, the hockey podcast. My name is March, and I'm joined by my buddy and co-host, Danny. Danny, how are you doing? I am very good, sir. What about you? I'm doing okay. Uh, just getting this uh, podcast started here has been a bit of a, a pain in the butt. Um, <laughs> um, I know we we were saying on our first episode that we're going to do one after the draft, but um, in a world in the world of the NHL, uh, there's just so much going on. So we thought, okay, how about tonight? However, uh, you might hear <laughs> you you might think that I'm running uh, some some fan in the background. You, you I'm. I may even cut out at some point, but hopefully um, I'm going to be okay. And I'm, I'm not driving my car. I'm sitting in an office. But Are you uh, sure you're not in a submarine somewhere? <laughs> I'm, I'm done with submarines. Submarines are, not on the, <laughs> submarines are not a topic today on the podcast. So, um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I've been okay. And, uh, yeah. Okay, good. Well, let's get the, get, let's just get the show running here. Um, look, I, I wanted to I wanted to go over a few things here. Um, like you mentioned for the draft, I think we're gonna ha- have to dedicate like an entire episode just for the draft results or at least the first round. And there's just been a few developments here. A lot of teams are doing a lot of moves. Um, even things that happened since the last time we did an episode together, the uh, the Hall of Fame inductees, uh, we had some rumors, some coaching changes, some hirings as well. Like it's just uh, endless stories. And uh, you know, I was I was walking today, um, went for a long, long walk, and I actually man- managed to listen to an entire Spit Chicklets episode. Uh, and I and I was thinking, I don't know if you you agree with me with this on this or not, but it seems like there's more action around the league. Uh, between the trade deadline and the beginning of the season than the entire season itself. Um, I don't know if it's a new thing or not. Uh, curious to hear what are your thoughts. It's just, it's been endless moves, you know? Yeah, yeah I 100% think it's a new thing. Um, well, mind you, I'm not, um, I'm not uh, some hockey fan for the past 30 years, but um, I remember the trade deadline being a little bit, uh, a little bit better because... Um, the cap was going up a lot more. And I think COVID, COVID and, uh, the, you know, the cap goes up now like five bucks a day. Um, you know, it's like there, there's there's not a whole lot of room to make these trade deadline moves, mid-season moves. And a lot of these contracts aren't all one-year contracts. Those are the ones you see moving because you will retain on them unless you're Arizona trading to Vancouver. But, <laughs> um, yeah, so you'll, you, you'll, you won't get these long-term contracts being moved because no one wants to retain and plus no one wants to take on that money because halfway through the season like like a big a long-term contract or a lot of money or uh, all this stuff is is for the off season so um i think that's why a lot of stuff's happening right now and especially going on at the moment with uh, philadelphia and and uh, St. Louis. I mean, Kevin Hayes is not a cheap player, so if that's the guy moving, that's right. Um, it makes sense that uh, that it's happening now, rather in the middle of the season. That's right. And, and you know, like every every year, at least in recent history, we look at those moves, and and sometimes we have like a lasting impression of what just happened with that specific team, and we end up looking down the road twelve months from from that day, and and we realize what a huge mistake. So even though we're like, we're witnessing some big moves and big names flying around from left and right, these, these teams, you know, it's, it, there's a little component of chance in there and, and, and circumstances as well. 
Um, we look at last year what Drew Living did with the Flames, and everyone was was praising him, uh, only to find out not, you know a year later that uh, this team is not only back to back to uh, square one, but they're, they they have to tear everything down here. So we'll see, we'll see. But it's uh, definitely we've seen some interesting moves. Uh, before we get into that, I, I wanted to. I don't know what your thoughts are on the Hall of Fame inductees. Did you um, were you aware of that? Did you did you did you take a look at the list and see who got in? Yeah, yeah. Usually, when the Hall of Fame uh, inductee list comes out, it's usually comprised of players I don't know or people yeah. I don't know. Um, it seems like, uh, and there's a term I want to use here. When it, I believe Lanny McDonald, Lanny McDonald's a part of the uh, the uh, committee or whoever. Yeah, that's right. That that votes these people in, and, <laughs> and there was a term that uh, was used, and I'm I'm going to steal this. Um, Lanny McDonald's uh, Hall of Friends. Um, mm. It's all it's all his buddies getting in. Um, yeah. yeah, so we got a couple guys in there that I do know. Uh, obviously, um, Henrik Lundqvist. Um, I'm a big, big. I wouldn't say a Henrik Lundqvist fan, but I can defend why he's a good player and deserves to be there. And um, Ken Hitchcock and the other ones I'm not too familiar with. Um, I don't know if that's just I. I do I'll, I'll just go through them here. We got Ken Hitchcock, yeah. like you said, uh, Pierre Lacroix. So those two entered as a as a the category. I think it's called builder, uh, builder of hockey or whatever it's called. And then you have in terms of players, um, you have Tom Barrasso, Henrik Lundqvist, Caroline Wallet, Pierre Turgeon, and uh, Mike Vernon. So again, keep in mind. I mean, I, I haven't seen every single player play here on that list. Um, I was kind of curious to hear what are your thoughts on Ken Hitchcock, but I can speak about uh, Pierre Lacroix. I, um, to this date, I mean, I have a few favorite, you know, type top three Stanley Cups of all time in my mind, and and, uh, and that roster that goes with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pierre Lacroix was instrumental in building that what I call the dream team in Colorado, uh, the year that the um, that Ray Bork won the cup, and 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 pretty much all my favorite players. Actually, fun fact: I used to live in Hawkesbury when when they won, and their coach Bob Hartley is from Hawkesbury, and he got the cup to Hawkesbury, so I got to see it in the parade and all that. So it's just uh, it's closer to heart, and I know that Pierre Lacroix really worked really really hard on uh, convincing Ray Bork to go from Boston to Colorado. Um, one time he did an interview and he mentioned that uh, the Flyers were very, very, very close to getting uh, Bork because of he uh, he asked uh, to be moved only in the East Coast. Imagine that. So he mm, got yeah. he had to um, had Patrick Roy convince him to move to Colorado, and the results we all know it. So um, there are other ones I don't really have much to say. I mean Caroline Wallet. She's, I guess, uh, the second in line next to uh, someone like uh, Marie-Pierre Poulain. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I'd like her. Um, her and Hilary Knight, I think we're, we're going to see in that list uh, one day soon as well. Um, Pierre Trujillo and Vernon, I don't really have much to say. And Pierre was uh, um, a captain of the of the Habs in the past, and he was a pretty good scorer. So, um, But you know what I think of uh, of the old times when it comes to hockey. I, I'm a really a, a fan of uh, the current generation and, yeah. and the current uh, state of the game. Yeah. Um, when it comes to that list, um, I mean, there's guys like Ken Hitchcock. Uh, Ken Hitchcock is a is a is a coach I consider to be amongst uh, uh, a name called the Old Boys Club. Um, and, and guys I put in that list would probably be uh, contrary to 
certain uh, fans' beliefs. Uh, someone like Bruce Boudreau, uh, Peter, Peter Laviolette, uh, Michelle Terrien, uh, Elaine Vigneault, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yep. These are just, at, at, and maybe I'm not too familiar. I know that um, Ken Hitchcock did win a, in a Stanley Cup with the Dallas Stars. Um, a recent hiring by the New York Rangers, Peter Laviolette, also won the Cup with um, the Hurricanes. I, I, if I was going to make a comparison, I'd probably compare the both of them. I don't know their win-loss records, um, but I do know that these are two coaches. And in, in the name of – or in the conversation surrounding Ken Hitchcock, a, a coach that can get you to the playoffs. And if we're comparing it to Peter Laviolette, I mean, the Rangers are in need of a, a coach that can take this core – to the playoffs and at least went around or something like that. So, um, yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say about Ken Hitchcock. Um, I can speak to who wasn't inducted. <laughs> you want to add anything? Any names that? in mind? Well, I just want to say before we move on from this, I just wanted to mention, like, you know, when you mentioned La Violette uh, needing to uh, put his fingerprint on the Rangers, my my thought process went immediately to um, uh, Gerard Gallant. You remember, like we, he had such a great reputation. I mean, he was an assistant coach, uh, a, a really good one with the Habs, and then he went on to be the head coach in, of Vegas. Those yeah. original misfits and and the way that they played their hearts out, and they were uh, a four line team and all of that. They won. Uh, they, sorry, they they went all the way like to the finals and stuff. And I think the success that that they had was associated with Gerard Gallant. And the way he was let go and, 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 and what we saw from him in the Rangers, I have to say, my opinion of him has gone down a little bit. I'm not sure mm -hmm. what are your thoughts, but ever since that happened, I don't know. It just seems that I was expecting, just like you said, for him to go to the Rangers. He has superstars in there. He has a wonderful goalie. He has all the components to make a cup run, and it just didn't pan out. Um, this is the, speaking of Jared Glant, um, yeah. this is the, the closest I've ever been to an NHL coach was, was Gerard Gallant. I, it was at the 2019 NHL draft in Vancouver and mm. I was coming out of the bathroom and uh, this guy's literally standing right next to me. And I, I, I looked to my right and I looked at him and I was like, this guy looks familiar. And there's like so many old bald coaches in the NHL. But I yeah. said, you know, who is that? And he's on his phone or something. And, and I, there's a, there's a thing, and you know we're, we were allowed to go outside and, and, and see GMs and stuff like that, and I found that interesting. And at the time, Mark Bergeron was the Habs GM, so I was looking to say hi to him, but he was already on the bus apparently. So, um, But I'm never one to be like, hey, you know, can I take a picture of you? It would uh, also be very weird coming right out of the bathroom. I, That's he's right. Probably, he's probably going to the bathroom next to me. But anyways, aside from that, uh, Gallant, yeah, a, a, a coach that – has kind of fallen off in my opinion. Um, I, I I just don't get it. Now I didn't know how good he was. I, I don't know if this was the OHL. Um, no, the Q QMJHL. I did not know he was this good of a coach in the QMJHL, and he only coached there for two three years. And the guy was unbelievable. I mean, this is probably the best uh, QMJHL uh, tenure uh, I've ever seen. Um, three seasons with the St. John Sea Dogs, every season made the finals and won twice. Um, and he had an 8.75 win percentage in one of the seasons. So he had the team had 58 wins and seven losses. 
and three overtime losses. And that's like unbelievable. I've never seen a record that. So maybe that was his kind of like, hey, this guy's got to get an NHL coaching job. And, right. and we and his coaching job was as an assistant in Montreal for two years. And yeah. his head coaching job was with the Panthers. Uh, infamously uh, kicked him to the curb, literally. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, Vegas. I, I feel like Gerard Gallant is a team who can get the core going. Uh, that's the kind of guy I consider. Um, if you want to use the term a builder, I think I, in, in a different sense, I would use that with him because he, like the New York Rangers core, with the uh, Florida core, um, with the Vegas core, I think all of those t- three teams are good today. All three of those teams are good today. They had Gerard Gallant as a head coach recently. And when they when they had him as a coach, they weren't that great. And now they're great. So then they have to move on. So it's a bit, in my opinion, a bit similar to someone like Bruce Boudreaux, where you can't have him on a contending team, or maybe he's not a contending coach. Martin St. Louis might end up being that type of coach. Um, you know, so... I don't necessarily think that it's a very interesting take. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that he's going to be the type of coach that brings you a couple, but he's going to be the coach that like if, if much were to hire him, I think we'd, he would shape the players or the players we acquire. Okay. This is going to be a playoff hopeful or, or playoff hopeful or playoff contending team. Now it's time for someone else to come up and take over, which would be maybe a Peter Laviolette who's won a cop or, or whatever. Um, yeah, well, I guess we'll see. I mean, he, I think, correct me if I'm wrong here, but he's jobless right now, right? He's still looking for that <laughs> yes, position. He is. Uh, yes, okay. he is. Yeah, he is. Uh, we'll see where he lands, if he lands anywhere. Uh, we know that uh, we're seeing some old-timers come and make a comeback as well with Babcock and, and Columbus and, and whatnot. So we'll see where Galan goes. But I have to say, I, I wouldn't put Galan in the same category as, as people like uh, Hitchcock and, and Babcock and Bruce Boudreau, like you mentioned, and Michel Therrien. I think those he's are, right there in the middle. Yeah. He's got those old, old-timer old mentality, but also knows a thing or two about dealing with the new generation as well. When you said Hitchcock and Babcock, I was about to say there's a bit of a theme with those names, eh? Yeah, it's all about uh, <laughs> yeah, it's all about uh, Caulfield's nickname here. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, um, last thing maybe I want to talk about for the Hall of Fame before we move on here. Uh any players you would have liked to see? Any any non-inductees that uh, made the cut try? Oh yeah. <laughs> so um, the big one it seems to be is McGillney. Now I can't speak to McGillney. I know what his stats look like, but I I can't really speak to it. But it seems like a lot of people are up in arms about him not making it in. Um, obviously, there's other people that um, that were not in non-inductees. McGillney, Brindamore, Keith Kachuk. Henrik Zetterberg, uh, Danny's favorite uh, person, Jennifer Botterell, uh, <laughs> Patrick uh, Patrick Elias, and Rick Nass. Look, Rick uh, if Jennifer, if, if she ends her time on Hockey Night in Canada, once she goes in the Hall of Fame, I'll drive her myself. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, but unfortunately, uh, we're going to have to wait on that. But um, <laughs> I wouldn't put uh, people like my Philippe Poulain and and Caroline Wallet and Hillary Knight and all these girls, I wouldn't even put them in the same category. And I know I'm going to catch a lot of heat for this, but um, yeah, I'm not a fan of Jennifer. She, if there was ever a female version of uh, Captain Obvious, that would be her. So, <laughs> Okay, I'm going to say this. 
and 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 listen to the names because you're gonna have to pick one now. You could say Megoni or whatever, but pick a pick one of these names that you are more most shocked uh, didn't get in. So Megoni, Brindamore, Keith Kachuk, Henrik Zetterberg, Jennifer Botterill, Patrick Elias, and Rick Nash. Who Rick out of those names? And I, wow, perfect. We think the same. I was gonna say probably against belief because a lot of people tend to underrate him. I would have said Rick Nash as well. He was he was a I think he, player and he, yeah, he invented exactly. that category of himself, I think. Exactly. I think yeah. I think when you look at I think he was the first I, I wouldn't say the first power forward, but he re- re- revolutionized what a power forward is. We had a category like of of players, the big bulky ones like, you know, Forsberg and Lindros and 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 those yeah. guys. Uh but then again, he came along, he was just faster than everybody and had more hands than everybody. So, uh yeah, I agree with you. And he also had the size too. Um it's yeah. The best I goal. Agree with you. The best goal ever is Rick Nash against the uh somebody I forget who. I don't know if it was the Arizona Coyote or Phoenix. I think it's against Phoenix. And unbelievable. The best goal ever. I, I and and people can attack me over this, but it's better than Ovechkin's goal that he did with the behind the back. Uh I might disagree here, but uh <laughs> Ovechkin's goal when he's on the on the on the ice, like with a stick with a stick in his back and, and whatnot. I mean that that's I mean it's nice, but at the same time I look at that, that and I, I look at that and I say that's that's not necessarily a skill. That's not him thinking. That's that's him just wailing around on the ground. Now I'm gonna get a get I'm gonna get a lot of hate for this. But I mean go look at the Rick Nash that's okay. that is like you, you he put the puck between five guys and he it's just I don't know. And he won the, it was yeah. like um ten seconds left in the third to win. I mean, my goodness. I I, I don't know. Yeah. I think I think both of them can hold the title for the best. It's just a question of time before before he comes in, um, and I also think that uh, isn't he like uh, again? I'm not I'm not an expert here on Columbus, but uh, I think he's part of the front office now, or some sort of capacity within. Uh, Rick Nash. Uh, let me look at that up here. Rick Nash um, is serves as the director of player development for the Blue Jackets. It's not a bad. I mean, it's not yeah. not a bad position. Better than uh, Marleau with uh, with San Jose. <laughs> I don't. What is his position? Didn't they just name him into something? Yeah, they did. Player development as well. Same position oh, with San Jose. Okay. I'd rather so be have. Uh, I'd rather be a player developed by Nash than Marlowe, but that's a different story. Their, their entire prospect pool is are all going to play nineteen hundred games uh, and never <laughs> win a cup. So <laughs> that's so, a good one. That's that's yeah. great. I'm not at, so, yeah, anyways, whatever. We can go ahead and push off this topic. I mean, I don't know. Do you have anything else? I mean, we'll take a look no. at it, but uh, oh, that we whole can community, talk about, the selection um, committee, it's a, the selection committee for uh, with Larry McDonald, I have to agree here a little bit. Um, yeah. But I think this is going to be just fun because there is absolutely no shortage of candidates in the future. And, I, and I'm not going to go start the name, names here, but we all know them. I can name you at least 10 that are going to be anonymous with everybody else. Um, so we're in yeah. for a very long, um, I guess, career or whatever, a long timeline of inductees that are going yeah. to be worth it, first ballot ones. Yeah, yeah. And and speaking of first ballot and the question of you know current players and stuff, and I guess we can end this segment off with this, is the you know Henrik Lundqvist. 
Um, Henrik Lundqvist, I really like him. Um, I think I I could probably spend another 30 minutes talking about this guy, but I believe I, I totally believe he deserves it. But obviously, he's not my favorite goalie. My favorite goalie ever, probably one of my favorite players, is Carey Price. This just solidifies his inductee to the Hall of Fame. Now, I find this very interesting because there's a question of, do, does Montreal retire his jersey? I almost sometimes think that the, like, even, okay, let's say, what's another team with a lot of high-profile retired jerseys? Would you say Detroit, Boston? Um, um, believe it anyone... or not, the Flames. Believe it or not. Okay, so here's the thing. I feel like Montreal's standard when it comes to who goes up in the rafters is a lot yeah. harder than getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. Because you don't course. have to... I feel like Montreal... Montreal, Montreal's factor into going up there and, and, and your jersey being retired, etc., is you have to not only, well, not necessarily break records, but you have to be um, very good and someone prominent in the organization. Um, and so, like, say, Carey Price, you know, 300, over 314 wins, right? Um, however, um, the idea of not having a cup, I feel like you have to have a cup to be retired by the Habs. I don't know if anyone up there doesn't have a cup because Montreal's won so many, but yeah. um, I just feel like that's that's what the prerequisite is. Now, I feel like he will be a first ballot you know, Hall of Famer. No, no doubt about it. I mean, the guys won everything there is to win in hockey. No doubt about it as well. Except the Stanley Cup. Um, but... You know, it's the same thing. Would would Tampa Bay for now? Uh, we never know. We never know if he comes back, right? But uh, yeah. Well, okay. And I was going to say, does Tampa Bay? It's, it's such a a hard question at times, but it's also such an easy question. Pat Patrick Maroon has, and and people on this podcast will will get to know my my love for Patrick Maroon. Patrick Maroon has three cups, yes. but you know, is he getting inducted into anything aside from the pile of garbage high fame? Nothing. So you know. I just think that it, it's subjective, and and I think he's I think he's clear cut for both. However, I think Montreal's might be a little bit more on the fifty fifty side, but who knows? You know, a, a lot of, uh, and you know what? I think we're not going to find out for a long time, unless they're in the need of of a of a of a super shock or or something that to to excite the fan base, they might do that. But mm-hmm. you know, I, I I have people like Patrick Y in mind, and again, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I don't know when exactly, but he was inducted like 15 years after he stopped, or at least after he left Montreal. So mm-hmm. the fact that you know Carey Price is actually still, technically speaking, on the payroll, uh, this might take a while for him to get in. Mm, yeah, I mean, okay, yes, that's true. He's got three more years on his contract. I don't know how exactly it works getting into the Hall of Fame, uh, how long it, like... I think you have time. to be... They are two separate entities that I that I know for sure. Like, the, the actual Hall of Fame has nothing to do with the NHL. So, okay, you know that? So maybe, yeah. Okay, well, I mean, it makes sense because how do you induct people, like like builders? I don't know the terms, but how do you induct yeah. people like uh, Willie O'Ree, who maybe not have, may, may not have done certain things in the NHL, but did it for the NHL or for hockey. Like I see, 
I see that. But like there's the definitely a tie between both, but I, I can assure yeah, you, from yeah. my understanding, is is that it's two separate entities, as 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 it should be. Okay. Well, enough about that. But I look. I, if I have to give my opinion on Carey Price, I think his number should be retired, or at least should be made of a big deal within the Habs environment. Um, I don't know about a statue outside the, the Bell yeah, Center, but no, I agree. I can I, tell you I would that, like to see him. I yeah, think we I mentioned mean, that last podcast, right? So we did. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll have plenty of time to do <laughs> that yeah. in the future. Yeah. So. Well, who knows? Yeah. Okay, for now, okay. we'll just uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on Angela Price's stories for the latest <laughs> updates. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I mean, I mean, who knows? Like, like I said, uh, um, and I did mention. Sorry, I just wanted to say one more thing in terms of yeah. what we talked about last podcast. I did mention um, that you know, like, you know, Carey Price not being involved with the team because he's on contract, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The league has rules on this stuff. Um, I think so, and I tied it into the Canucks not being able to practice. Um, during the off season with team officials and they find them on that. Well, I didn't know recently that they had lifted that rule right after oh, they, they find them. Yeah. So you're, I think now you're allowed. Now take it with a grain of salt. This is not coming from someone, this is not coming from information that's super official because no one really talks about this stuff. If there's other things to talk about in the NHL, that these are just things that kind of go under the radar. Um, it's more internal, like, because I live in Vancouver, um, I fell with some Canucks stuff, so they mentioned some things, and I got people who are Canucks fans, right? So they, but they said that they find them, and then they they, they ended up lifting it anyway. So um, I see, and it, it might have been having to do with something. I I don't know. There might have been, a, for all we know, it could have been an American team that complained. Or, I don't know. But yeah. So maybe Carey Price, you know, what the rule lifted that he can now be on the, you know, be at practice instead of having to zoom in or something. <laughs> That's right. Well, I, I want to kind of change topics here and maybe do 180 degrees from success to complete complete failure. Um, if you don't mind me, I want to I want to go through um, discussing a little bit the, uh, the the whole Calgary situation. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how much you've been paying attention to this. Well, I. Um, yeah. But I was listening the other day yeah. to. I was going to say Frank. Sarah yeah, I was just was saying that I, I I I was listening. Yeah, exactly. It's a total uh, conflict there. But uh, I was going to say that the I was listening to a podcast uh, with the, the latest one with Elliot and um, uh, Elliot uh, Freeman, 32 Thoughts with Elliot and Jeff. And they were talking, they did an interview with uh, Bill Foley, the Vegas owner. And, it, you know, you, you had to listen to the thing just to get a sense of, who the ownership group is for the Vegas and what they do for the players. Um, subsequently, also, I also listened to um, an interview that uh, Spitnichik listed with uh, Marcia So. Um, and he was describing that the way that things started off with Vegas and they how, how they have a tradition now to go to their owner's ranch at Montana at the beginning of each season with the wives and the girlfriends and everything. And, you know, everything that I hear from either the owner or the player's perspective, it is just complete opposite from what we see from those bigger markets like Calgary and Toronto. Um, yeah. We've heard rumblings of Toronto shares within the within that whole group being sold, uh, between you know between suits and lawyers, and uh, we're seeing Calgary a complete 
chaos happening right now. I don't want to avoid the word implosion here. I think that's been used so many times this week uh, for various reasons. But um, that's really what's happening with the flames. And I am not one bit surprised of what's going on there. Uh, we're seeing subtractions. We've seen people like Kirk Muller leave their, their GM, Daryl Sutter, even though that's maybe not the biggest loss there. Uh, yeah. Mitch Love, who uh, apparently, from my understanding, was a huge favorite within the Flames uh, fan base, and and he would just walk out the door. And um, you know, I'm trying to think now of of all those new names that are surfacing, you know, uh, that are either asked for a trade or indicated they're not resigning with Macklin uh, yeah, and and Lindholm and Hannifin and Defoley being available. Yeah, there's Goodrow and there's Kachuk as well. That's right. So I personally, look, I have nothing against Conroy. I watched him play when he was playing, and I, I know who that is, and I know the whole connection with the with the Flames organization and the fan as well. So mm-hmm. I have no problem with the actual hiring, but I do have a major problem with, you know, rebuilding the organization with people that were already in place that caused this. I have, I have an issue with that. So um, it is... I mean, Canada cannot afford to have two or their teams in Winnipeg and in Calgary be on their knees, um, and potentially Toronto next year as well with Austin Matthews, depending on how that goes as well. Like, it's just not a good look for Canadian teams. I I, I really pray that um, that uh, Calgary figures it out a little bit and, and just at some point get a, a real ownership along with that new arena. Um, for me, that's just fundamental problems that they have right now. Any thoughts on this? Um, I'm just kind of – currently, I'm just trying to look up um, the Calgary Flames uh, lineup in 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me a second here. Summary. 2015 or 2025? Yeah, so, like, yeah, so this, this team looked a lot different. So I remember – I just remember – watching hockey then I, I remember watching the i believe it was 2015 16 first round the canucks were versus the flames the canucks lost and then the flames lost to anaheim i believe that was 2015 16. um th- this was a team that i i just was like this is garbage like not the canucks i mean the, obviously but with the flames and and i just it, if you were to tell me hey who were the um like I believe it's Jonas Hiller. That was a goalie that I was like, mm-hmm. like what kind of tandem? It's, it's kind of it's very similar to Bernier and uh, and Reimer in Toronto. It's just like, <laughs> this, like this just seemed like I, I don't know. It didn't seem like a good team, and they're in the playoffs, and they won the first round, and yada yada yada. So their top guy was very similar to Montreal when it was like yeah, Deharnay and Patrick and stuff like that. Like. Uh, I know this was a different era, but it just didn't seem as skilled. It didn't seem as, you know. Um, but, you know, Yuri Hoodler, Johnny Goudreau, Sean Monahan was third on the team in points, 62 points. Uh, Dennis Weidman was fourth on the team. Um, Giordano, TJ Brody, you know, Lance Buma, these guys. Like Chris Russell was, you know, had 34 points. Like, when would you ever think that? So Paul Byron was on the team. You know, a lot of these guys. And at the same time, it's kind of like, what I'm trying to get at here is I think the Flames did a really good job from that point, which wasn't actually that long ago, um, into the, you know, around 2020 where they had all these, like, to, they got, you know, then they got to Foley and they got Markstrom, who I believe wasn't a great signing. 
because of the age and the, the injury history and the, you know, and, but they built a, a solid team. They had Kachuk. They, you know, Kachuk was a, I, I don't know when he got to the team. Might've been 2016. So I remember when he first got to Calgary, it was like, this guy is impossible to control. Not from like uh, an opposite team standpoint, like the management, you can't control this guy. He's doing dumb crap all the time. It's like, what are we going to do? Well, he, it seemed like he got his act together and, and he was really good for the flames. And I believe the flames had this magical year um, where all these guys had like a hundred points. I think Lindholm also had a hundred points on that line to Kudrow. And uh, so they built a really good team and I just don't, and especially with the hiring of, um, Huska's the coach, right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. So with the high, these new hirings, getting rid of Daryl Sutter, it's like you, you, you would have thought that they would stick around. They'd be like, okay, we got some sort of new direction. Well, now everyone's like, I'm out. Now, of course, those reports that came out about Hannafin, Toffoli, Backlund, and who's the other one? Am I forget, I'm forgetting one. Uh... Toffoli, Backlund, Hannafin, and Lindholm. That's right. um, only two of them are like probably for sure out, and I believe that was uh, Hannafin and Backlund. Toffoli is gonna be gone too, unless they want to lose their asset or, or or they're gonna force him to play until the trade deadline. But again, well, I get your point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, no. The only thing is because the wording about that, like they said that uh, for two of these guys, they said it's not their intention to 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 sign. So maybe if the flames do well next season that it changes their mind but i feel like with hannafin and with i believe it's backland um yeah. that they're kind of sold on on moving on and they've been there for a while like it wouldn't make sense for, in my opinion it wouldn't make sense for Tofoli to leave and to give up on this team so early i just feel like if the flames are just the same just as bad next season i feel like then he would be like yeah it's time i'm not signing trade me whatever you want but if they're good, who knows? I think he'd probably stick around. But I wouldn't mind him back in Montreal. He was pretty loyal to Sutter. I mean, they they had success together in LA. Yeah, they, yeah exactly. LA in LA, so, and, and yeah. So maybe that's maybe that's another reason he didn't, doesn't want to stay. Who knows? I, I all I say is just I'm just saying that, you know, I don't remember. I think it's Don Meehan or no, not Meehan. That's an agent. His name was Don something. The guy who hired uh, Craig Conway, and I'm just saying that. I, I watched carefully the his press conferences when uh, Trilliving walked, um, and also when when Conroy was hired. And I, from the body language, from what with the content, um, I, they were they were actually like crying during the press conference and very emotional when Trilliving just said, "You know, screw you, I'm I'm walking here." Um, so that just doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. Um, and again, for those people that actually watch those press conferences, if you just go back and listen to that, they were actually, you know, Don was saying things that contradicts things that the Flames organization posted later on. You know, he was saying we were never focused on uh, having a, a previous member of the organization be the new GM. And then when he was introduced internally and they posted that video, he was telling the entire staff it was very important for us to hire someone who knows the organization. You know, you're putting mm-hmm. this out there. I mean, yeah. maybe people are not paying attention to this, but it's just it's just one of those things that I'm telling you, like if they were had if they had some real ownership, this team would have a soul, would have an objective, 
versus now where I, I'm not too familiar with it, but the, I think the ownership group there, they own like every single hockey, sorry, every single sports team in the city. And I'm not even joking. They're the Roughnecks mm. and the Hitmen yeah. and hmm. don't, yeah. don't ask me to name all of them, but I think like it's an entire group that owes all of the sport teams. Mm. So it's just very discouraging. I, me being living in, in Calgary, I, my favorite player of all time is Jerome McGinley. I know he joined the organization, but yeah. not a... a not a maybe he's being groomed to become the GM or the president of hockey operations, but right now it's just a very hard time for someone like me to be optimistic about this team. Uh, I guess just embrace the tank, and uh, <laughs> I think that I think the Habs are just going to be looking at this uh, draft pick that they got from uh, from the Monahan deal, and just uh, looking forward to that. I guess if I if I was going to give any Calgary Flames fan any hope out there, look at the Blackhawks. Okay, they hire Mike Richardson. Mike Richardson goes in and says, fantastic. I've got the uh, Brinkets, I've got Kane, I've got uh, Taves, I've got, uh, I don't know who was on the fence, but I got these guys. And then like, yeah. the next day, the guy's like, okay, uh, you ready to tank? What, what tank? <laughs> what, what, what tank are you talking about? And uh, he says, yeah, they're all gone. <laughs> By the way, they're all gone. And, uh, and, and I'm going to openly admit to the media that we're tanking. So, I, you know, Lucas Reichel is going to get called up if he does too well. I'm sending him down. And it's like, okay, so we're tanking. And now look where they are. They got a bunch of picks. They've, they're getting they're getting number one. So, yeah. you know, Calgary could be – and this was – was this just this – no, Debrinkit was traded last season, no. So Last summer, only, yeah. Yeah, this is only a couple of seasons. And they're like – they're right. The first they were like there was no hope because it was like, what's the direction? Well, the direction is full rebuild. Um, they had bad contracts. They still do, just like the Flames yeah. might have with if Markstrom is considered a bad contract and they have some other guys there. And I just think that there is hope. Um, and I do like... I mean, Nazem Kadri is not a bad player, but he's, he's a, him and Huberdo are just going to... Yeah, they, it is a bit different than the Chicago deal because Chicago had a, an old core and the Brinkett yeah. was good, but like... It's just, you know, they can move them out. You I mean, you just acquired Huberto. You just acquired Kadri. So to move That's them right. out, and especially in a cap-stricken era, yeah. um, you know, maybe they might be able to move them out in two or three years when the cap goes up by a significant amount. But um, I think that I, I, I do, just like Winnipeg with Calgary, I believe that this is the right move to just start again because that core I don't think is working. Of course not. So oh, and I, yeah, I and I really agree. like the Ginla signing, and I think that only means good things to come. Whether he goes up in terms of, of of um, of a role, he's got a good role there now. So, um, and they got some prospects now. There was something, and I, I don't want to mention this because I don't have it in front of me, but I, I, I almost, I almost push everyone to look at the last. I don't know twenty five. Uh, maybe not 25 first round picks, but the last 25 picks that the Calgary Flames have made, none of them have turned out. I mean, I think this dates back to 20, 2016 or something like that. I just, I just, I'm not, we're not going to do it on the podcast here. Might do it uh, after the draft yeah. because maybe that's a team I'll look at too as to who they pick. Yeah. But um, just look at, at uh, the Calgary Flames drafting from 2016 and you'll kind of come to realize uh uh this to be is... honest with you i don't know what's more depressing the, the calgary track record for drafting or the the current lineup for the chicago blackhawks 
I'm looking at their cap friendly and what a disaster. My God. I mean, if, if someone wants to it's, make a good laugh here, just yeah. take a look at the, the roster that they have. And it, Bedard yeah. is going to show up there and is going to say, I'm not going to remember all of these names. You know, I, I don't need to. Nice to meet you, but, uh, you know. <laughs> nice to meet you, but you're probably gone in that, uh, 10 games. So uh, Exactly. Yeah, they're, they're, they're in the full rebuild. And I think I think teams are looking at what they're doing. At at first, teams are looking at at Arizona and saying that's how we're going to do the rebuild. And then they realize that Arizona was never coming out of the rebuild. And then they're like, okay, maybe we won't do that. <laughs> and so they're looking at Chicago and they're like, oh wow, you traded all your good guys and forty goal scorers and Patrick Kane and all your you know like uh, those the Pittsburgh ownership is is shocked that they traded Patrick Kane. Like, oh my God, legacy, no way, yeah. and all this stuff. And maybe now teams are like, you know what? Maybe we should just let go of the, uh, let go of what we have, and 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 mind you, these are the players that can Calgary saying this and coming out saying this. So if they do end up, they can still trade them. So, you know, we they can, but they're gonna. Yeah. This this for me, like I know that it's not it's different positions here, but this really reminds me of the Parise Sutter situation in Minnesota. This whole now that they're locked with uh, with Kadri and and Mihuberdo. Uh, the fans, they don't owe them anything. Like, you know, yeah, they have a great reputation and a cup and, 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 a, and a few things for Kadri and stuff. But the fan base, they don't owe them anything. And the players, I can't ima- even imagine how they feel. So, I, When it comes to Canadian teams, I can name you Edmonton. I can, yeah. name, you, I can name you Montreal. I can name you Ottawa. And that's it. Of, of, of teams where players aren't looking to leave. So, and Vancouver, I'm not saying Vancouver players are still looking to leave, but however, um, you know, Horvat was out and yeah. he only, you know, uh, the quote, I'll tell you that for free. I mean, that's the, that's the easiest um, thing to pick out of, but look at Calgary, Winnipeg, everyone's, you know, they're, they're dropping like flies. People want to leave and their core, I believe is they're in the same situation as Calgary in terms of their core isn't working. So they've got to right. do. They tried they it. Pull. They tweaked it. They spent on it. Yeah, exactly. It's and, and it's like now Hellebuck and Dubois and Wheeler and holy heck. So and then and then they're left with guys like really good players and Ealers and Connor. What are you going to do with them? They're just yeah. and then you go to Toronto, okay? And then that's the big question. Uh, I feel like I feel like he's going to sign Austin Matthews. He's going to sign there, but this guy's going to ask like seventeen million. Like I, I would. So I just I just look at those teams and you look at like Montreal, Ottawa, I'd say Ottawa players are wanting to go there, not necessarily, but they're they're not in bad shape, okay? And yeah. then Edmonton's not in bad shape. Uh, but it seems like Canadian markets are taking a hit uh, as of late, so it's too bad. But I think there's only up and up. Uh, and I think this will result in hopefully. We'll see how it turns out. If if there's one GM in the league who uh, who's used to giving bad contracts and saying yes to everything, it's three living. So I think, uh, Austin Matthews and his agent <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are, are pretty excited right now. He's gonna show up in Mexico and uh, sorry, not Mexico, <laughs> but like uh, Arizona, and he's gonna, uh, you know, like uh, that meme that I sent you with the with the Spanish uh, Kevin Hart. Oh yeah, uh, gonna, <laughs> that's you know, a good one. Maybe, his, hey, like, yeah, maybe now yeah. I have a use for that. <laughs> I know that's true living when he's talking to uh, Matthew's mom because uh, <laughs> she's the Mexican in the family. Yes, um, yes. You know, 
<laughs> I can already imagine a mix of the of the the Michael Jordan speech to his mom and the same thing happening with Trey Living here. But um, <laughs> yeah. anyways, regardless, for those that don't know what I'm talking about, you should watch the movie Air with Matt Damon and uh, uh, Ben Affleck uh, with the Michael Jordan story. So uh, that's that's the inside joke I'm making. Much yeah. Here, so if you if you search up Air, um, there's a movie um, called Air with um, Norman Reedus. And someone else, it's like got like one out of ten on IMDb. So it's so you gotta find a different oh. air. Yeah. So just okay. search an air Jordan movie. But yeah, it's a, it's yeah. A, it's a good movie. And um, yeah, like you know, they're gonna have a meeting with the Matthews, and they're gonna say, listen, uh, there's gotta be a a, a revenue share of uh, every uh, <laughs> every fake mustache we sell. <laughs> every, 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 every wig. Everywhere again, we're gonna have the Mexican flag instead of the milk uh, on the jersey. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, well look, uh, we'll yeah. see how that turns out. But I, I'm not too worried. Uh, I mean, even Matthews, uh, we'll, we'll see how that turns out. But yeah, Winnipeg is. They're again. I can't imagine their fan base, but uh, <laughs> they're actually a good fan base. Like you know, in terms of like oh, yeah, they are. And, and 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 the ambiance and louder beaner and stuff. It's just yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah. A good buddy of mine's a, a Winnipeg fan, and 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 really? I, yeah, and I can tell you that um, I can tell you they know hockey, and and he loves hockey, and and it's just uh, it's just a shame that they haven't been able to win anything with this because um, you know those are good players, and and it's, and it's a lot of fun because coming like a Montreal fan here talking to a Winnipeg Jets fan, it's really easy for me to poke fun because of the whole Dubois situation, but uh, that's a whole different story. So I'm not going to get into Dubois. No. <laughs> Last thing I want to say about a center here, for, we talked about Chicago. Um, you know, there's been reports of, uh, you know, the future for uh, Jonathan Taves. Um, mm. I have to say, you know, I, I just wanted to, I was thinking about this the other day, and I was I was I really wanted to make a point on this podcast to you know to give kudos to him. I I wasn't the biggest fan of Jonathan Taves, uh, but I was actually like what I mean by that. I he is not my top ten player favorite players of all time, but I respected him and I liked him, and I think he played a big role as well on Team Canada and um, Captain Sirius. And at the time before McDavid showed up, uh, he was the youngest. Uh, to ever be a captain in the league. And, and, you know, so I think there's a lot to give kudos for Taves. I think the whole Cal Beach situation really tainted the legacy of a lot of players uh, on that, on that whole era with the, uh, with the Chicago Blackhawks, but nobody can discount the, uh, the success that they had seriously. Like uh, that's how I see it. And I really wish nothing but the best for Jonathan Taves, uh, whether he retires or he joins another team. Um, yeah, he's he's a very good comparable to certain players in this upcoming draft. Um, and in many drafts, they use his name because there's a lot of players that aren't necessarily going to get 80, 90 point seasons, but they're, you know, like a, and Patrice Bergeron is also another comparable. Um, they're they're either leadership material. They, they they have a high sense for the game. They they've got a really strong two way game. And I think that speaks for. Speaks a lot for Taves. I I personally really like Taves. So if I mean he he would Me make too. the perfect yeah. perfect um, three three C on on any contending team now. I mean they would have a good chance at the cup with that guy on any team. I mean look at you look at some of these teams like Calgary, or Winnipeg, and 
they had that guy in the locker room. Maybe maybe he would lock uh, Huska or, or Sutter out and, and take charge. So, um, but we'll yeah. see. <laughs> well, it is it is a segue to the next thing I wanted to talk about, the whole Taves era. Um, you know, you mentioned 3C. Uh, Taves is 35 years old. Yeah. Uh, we don't know what the symptoms that he has with this fatigue issues or uh, I think it's called long COVID and, and whatever he was having um, that prevented him from competing. If he ever plays even on the fourth line or a third uh, third uh, line uh, with a contending team, you know, I, I think of when we, talk, when we talk about contending teams, who do we think about the usual suspects, you know, Tampa and, and Colorado. And I, I guess we can't, we can't avoid saying Vegas. Now they have to be a contending team, yeah. uh, but all the other teams, Toronto, I mean, I can imagine Toronto benefiting from a guy like that uh, way more than Tavares in terms of leadership. Um, when Jonathan Taves talks, I think everybody listens. I don't think uh, everyone can say the same thing about Tavares. That's just my personal opinion. Um, if he goes to somewhere like Carolina, uh, that's a lot better than what they have at uh, with Katkaniemi at, at 3C or or whatever. So um, one team that decided to to go, that's what they think. They think they're solidifying the, the role. I don't think they did. Uh, it's Colorado when they just acquired uh, today um, Ryan Johansson. Uh, now that's a player that, you know me, March, I, he really doesn't fit my my, uh, you know, the, the ideal player DNA, much less the contender uh, DNA. Um, he's, he's one of those examples that... I'm curious to hear what are your thoughts about this. He's one of those people that created the category for trades. If I remember correctly, it was not a, a common thing that we would see a big defenseman being traded for a big center. Like teams addressing their... their um, their needs in a big, significant ways. This was a brand new thing that Nashville did with um, with uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets back in the time when they traded Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson. And the results are, I mean, we know what happened with Columbus. They kept running in circles. But Nashville, I can't say that Ryan Johansson really got him anything. I mean, I know he was injured in the finals when they reached the finals with PK, but curious to hear what your thoughts on Ryan Johansson's career and what his potential is with Colorado. I think um, I, th- I think this is a very good, a very smart pickup for Colorado. So um, I I like Johansson as a, a bottom six player. Now it's very funny because I'm looking at his statistics and his points, and he reminds me. Um, and now I, I haven't really I'm not familiar too too much with his play, but it really reminds me. Um, about Nick Suzuki, um, it that his point project, projection is almost what I expect Suzuki to get to. Um, so the thing is, and he's he's done well in the uh, um, in the playoffs. He's done okay. Um, I think this is this is a smart move. Uh, it's a bit expensive, uh, four million dollars. Yeah. But you know we you know. I don't know how much Dvorak's getting paid on Montreal, but pretty much the same. Also, yeah, pr- yeah. So another expensive three C. So it seems like if they have the money, this isn't too bad. They don't really give up anything because uh, Alex Galchenyuk. Um, you can make a million jokes about that guy at this point with with how yep. his career is gone. The suitcase. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, the suitcase. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like right now, I'm just looking at his stats. Uh, 
you know, 28 points last year in 55 games. He scores, he, he consistently scores, it seems, around 15 to 25 goals. That, that's why I, seven I, goals. I, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I see him trying, probably achieving in, in Colorado. Now, don't forget, there's a difference between Nashville and Colorado um, by a huge margin. And I think, I think this will only, I think this will be a payoff for Colorado. Um, I, I don't mind Johansson, but he's been um, in the trade rumors for a while. You know, he finally moves, and I feel like if if we want to use the term change of scenery, um, you probably look at change of scenery in the dictionary, and this guy will pop up. So, I, I respect your opinion, and I think as a disclaimer for our audience, I think we don't usually agree on everything. Uh, we do mm-hmm. have some fundamental views of, of things. For myself, I personally think that uh, Ryan Johansson is is I hope that I'm wrong because I actually like Colorado and I want to see them win another cup here. Yeah, um, me too. Me, I, I love that team. I, I love their arena. I do too. Yeah. Um, I, I would hope for them to have s- s- some success, but I, I really think that they made the wrong, a wrong choice here. Um, if they're hoping to get some sort of Nazem Kadri 2.0 with this guy, I think they're going to be deeply disappointed. I, I think their first choice in many cases would have been someone like Jonathan Taves, but unfortunately they can still get him. The guy is, is, is a billionaire at this point. I mean, just, you know, <laughs> yeah, just but... tell him how, how you doing with high altitude. We'll, we'll provide oxygen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what I, I, I think, I think they, I think it'll pay off. I think, yeah. you know, like I said, change of scenery is probably this guy's, this guy's best uh, best case here, um, and Colorado isn't like a rebuilder. They're a good team. Um, they just need a change up. And I think Colorado, if we're going to talk about Colorado as a team, that also needs to focus on other aspects like their like their goaltending. But that's a different that's a different podcast so, or not a, a yeah. different episode. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, let, let's just see how that pans out and uh, if Colorado makes other moves. I know that there's some concern as well with the Nishushkin situation, the legal situation there. Um, Lennon Skog, we know that he's out as well for the entire next season. So they're, you know, they're going to be... And unless Lennon Skog, you know that meme with the with the wrestler getting off the wheelchair. As, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Maybe... Yeah. Um, Maybe maybe uh, Angus Cog is gonna make a comeback here, and Nishushkin is gonna get a uh, better call Saul, you know, and, and get out of his issues. But uh, exactly, exactly. That's yeah, that's we'll a good. One. I was just yeah. gonna mention, uh, and we can actually have. I don't know if you want to talk about anything else, but um, I don't think it's really something we've talked about yet. Um, Gary Bettman came out and said um, a statement and about the jerseys warm-up jerseys mm-hmm. yeah. special night jerseys so yeah. an example would be um pride night um yeah. can uh, hockey fights cancer um the military uh i don't know what you would call that the military appreciation etc 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 and at first there was a lot of people saying that this was unbelievable this is this can't happen i I'm almost bound to agree with Batman to an extent because they are a distraction because you have to understand he's not talking about the he's not talking about the jerseys and the and the and what they mean. 
what he's talking yeah. about is any player that decides not to wear it really takes away from everything else about the, that night. Yeah. So I see what he means. Now, people think that like they can't do this anymore. They definitely can. Um, it's just that in warm-ups and, and, and players having to go out and skate with them, I think it's just an idea of respecting everyone's opinion. And, and so far, I mean, there's been with Provorov and Eric Stahl and etc. There's been interesting opinions yeah. and, and stories and stuff, but I don't know. What's your opinion on that? So I'm going to go a little bit left field here. Um, for those that don't know me, I studied in business a little bit and I, I love the business aspect of it. So sometimes I might be a little bit less emotional and more objective when it comes to these things. Uh, we've talked about this, me and you before. Like, uh, Have you ever seen someone in the streets wearing the you know, you mentioned you're in Vancouver. Like, have you ever seen someone wearing the Canucks uh, Pride? Uh, yeah, this, that, this is a yeah, this is a whole. This, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned or, it because uh, no, or, I haven't. Because the artwork that came out. Of, so I have different opinions that go in different directions when it comes to this. But I'll bet you a hundred dollars right now that if this initiative was paying off dividends for the uh, the league, this would continue regardless of whoever. Um, if this was generating a billion dollars a year, Ivan Preparov would find himself in Siberia at this point if he refused to wear that jersey. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah, I, uh, no, you're making a good point here. But they're, they're making, uh, and that's what's really what hurts about this is, so I have no problem with the initiative. I have a problem with it being shoved down everyone's throats. Um, you know, those people that don't identify with those communities, they have to abide by that. But at the same time, um, it's an education moment as well. So people can learn about new things and, and see the inclusion there. And also it allows the, the teams to also gain new fan bases as well from different demographics. So I have no problem with this. But I really think there's a monetary aspect that they're using the players as a as a as an excuse here to, to cut this program short. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. Um you know, when I was saying about earlier about it being a distraction, I'm taking the more passive approach to this in terms of, you know, like I, I do believe that there is some sense. Like I believe, so when I heard Gary Bettman say it is a distraction from the real, yeah. the real purpose of these nights, etc., cetera, um, I believed him. Like I rarely, I, I usually think it's a facade, but yeah. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Now, I, I completely forgot about how, you know, the NHL is now a business and there's money and, you know, these jerseys, they cost a lot of money, but they go towards the initiatives. Now, the, now the thing is this, um, they're still going to make money off of these jerseys, these initiatives, whether it be first nations or, 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 um, I'm not sure where the, the proceeds go when it comes to pride month. Maybe, uh, I, Maybe that's something. Yeah, I should, and again, we don't have. I mean, we don't have to dive. Yeah, into well, that. yeah, maybe it should like have been Vancouver something I, I searched up, but there's probably some initiative it goes to. I don't think the proceeds go to, uh, you know, some the owner's pocket here, but yeah. they are very expensive jerseys. Uh, you know, in Vancouver, they are uh, very expensive, probably up above the six hundred dollar range. They're beautiful, but you know, they're they're. I don't know. I'm not they're gonna just say not practical. Yeah, but it just it, yeah, and and the league doesn't look at that and say, yeah, like this is just fantastic, and we should be we should be hosting warm ups for this and all this stuff, because like you said, there is no profit, there's no, there's nothing to gain out of it other than like they can still gain the the image, if if we're right. going to talk about 
you know, how the NHL doesn't care or whatever, and they just want to have a good image. Fine, you can say that. That's fair. But they're they're looking at this and they're saying, well, we're not going to ban them entirely. We're still going to, you can do it and the teams can do them, but we just don't want to have players come out and, and one of them doesn't wear the jersey. And then now all of a sudden, and I believe this because, you know, when Provorov said he didn't want to wear it or whatever, it, it no one cared about anything other than that. It's like this whole submarine thing. Uh, you know, no one cared about anything other than That's the right. submarine. And there's a, you know, Russia is about to implode right. here. So um, I don't know. I, 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 so I don't think it was a facade. I think, I think there's obviously different layers to it, what you're talking about. But I do think that it is a bit of a distraction. But even though it's a good cause, it's hard to call it a good cause, a distraction, because it does grow the game. Um, I just, I don't know. It's hard to, this is a, it's a difficult topic, especially because it's so fresh. But also, you know, one more thing that I was also thinking about at the same time was um, there's a different aspect. So, again, yeah, to your point about those jerseys being extremely expensive, I actually read somewhere that it was $800, and that goes to proceeds and, 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 and you know, like uh, for charity and stuff. But at the same time, when when you're a family of, of, of two parents and they're buying their kid a jersey or that, that kid is, is a student or, or a, a young professional or whatnot, when he's buying a jersey – him and her are buying a jersey, chances are they're not going to buy 10 jerseys in a year. Chances are they're going to buy, they're going to save up for a jersey or two in their lifetime or even in five years. Um, I personally, from my perspective, you know me, I have a lot of jerseys from different teams. I never invest in in putting the name behind the jersey just because I know that player that, you know, can be traded and my jersey can become obsolete, you know. So the sense from from a, a regular fan, quote, a regular fan, to buy um, every single jersey that, that the NHL comes out with, especially, you know, we, we make jokes about this, like the Edmonton Oilers and the Flyers, they, they have like a, a three brand new jerseys every year or every six months. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, the Vancouver so, Cox too. <laughs> yeah, the Vancouver, yeah, they're they're pretty notorious for that. But I think yeah, I think the sales were not what what the NHL were expecting. I think it was just maybe causing them too much trouble. Uh, but the last thing I want to end on uh, for this topic for myself is if you're a season ticket holder, you're glad to see those initiatives continue. Because imagine if you're going to see 42 games at home, uh, sorry, 41 games at home, and every single game has the same ads has the same videos same songs same animation same everything you're gonna get bored pretty quickly yeah, that's true it's a good point so when you go in and you have the pride night and you have diwali and you have the, the the veterans and the cancer and all of these things then there's a little bit of value to that to the to their to the tickets uh, season ticket holders so yeah that's something i didn't really think about just because I, I i don't think i ever will be a season ticket holder in my lifetime um, I mean, just being a fan of a different team in a different city, but right. at the same time, it's always really fun to go to games. So maybe I think there was, there would be points where you'd be like, Hey man, like this is just like, we got to get something new going on here. So I don't yeah. know that, I think for that reason, I don't want to be at the season to get older because I've been to like a few games in my life. Well, seven or eight, I don't know. I've lost count, but not many. And you know, there's a point where, like, the eighth time or whatever, I was kind of like, I kind of know the ropes. I know where to go. Like, you don't really get the same feeling you did on your first go. That's like, right. It's like, so 
it, it, that's why it's nice to go to one game a year. Like that's pretty much what I do. And um, cause then you, you still feel like, Hey, this is, this is cool. And, yeah. but if you go to like, if I couldn't imagine going to like every, like 42 games, it'd be like, like a second it's, a, job. it's a second job. I, I agree. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I actually made the mistake of once. I, I don't know why, but I saw I, I was sold a, a partial season ticket um, for the Laval Rockets when I when I lived in Montreal, and I have to say I forfeited some tickets towards the end. I got that oh, was yeah. at the time it was like all Belzil and, and and stuff like exactly oh, yeah. uh, wallet yeah. and, and stuff. So it wasn't that that, that exciting of a roster. Um, but yeah, I mean, and that was only seven games, I think. There was either seven or thirteen, oh. I don't remember. But no, I remember yeah. very vividly that I actually like I, I stopped going. Like it's, they were thirty or forty dollars, I think, each. But you, it, it wasn't the same ambiance as now. I think this was like at least six, seven years ago, um, or maybe less. But I know that for sure that it wasn't the same fan base that they have now. Um, apparently, their atmosphere is unbelievable. But yeah, that's my point. It's just if you're a season ticket holder and you're going there, or uh, you want a different experience, and those nights might fill in that gap. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this kind of wraps it up. Uh, do you want to just quickly revisit the uh, the, the draft here? Um, sure. It seems like sure. those experts they they've been releasing their final lists. Um, I personally pay attention to only two lists, um, the Craig Button list and the Bob McKenzie one. And I usually tend to forget the other ones, especially people like Grant McCagg. It's just, a, you know, um, what about you? Uh, yeah, so I, I want to revisit it because I, this? yeah, so I just want to revisit it because um, there, yeah, like you said, there's been an update in terms of, of, of I mean, Bob McKenzie's list came out, Craig Button's list came out. Um, these are, it seems as if Bob McKenzie, uh, just has scouts around the league that he calls and talks to. This is just some, someone I heard. Um, and Craig Button usually has some wild card in there. Um, I don't really like to follow them. I, I, I like to look at them cause they're interesting. I, I do trust Bob McKenzie more than Craig Button. Um, but I've been kind of starting to follow, uh, a few other things. Um, one of them, uh, I'd recommend, I'm, this is almost like free advertising here. We should be charging them a premium, but uh, there's a YouTube channel called NHL draft pros. Um, they, they do a pretty good thing. There's a, there's a guy on Twitter that follows me, follows a bunch of Habs fans, but he's a pretty good guy. His name's Hattie. Um, he's a, he's really in depth into these things. And um, it's pretty much a, a 2023 NHL draft uh, draft top 10 rankings and mock draft. And it's a short, it's not too, too long of a video. It's really good. So if you're interested in getting up to speed on this draft, I'd recommend watching that. Um, Hattie did come out and say that his things have changed a bit uh, since then. However, um, these are things that I like to look at and watch. So anyways, I just wanted to talk about the draft because um, I wanted to make my predictions for the top. I wanted to say the top 10, but I'm going to do the top six um, because I think that's where the, the, the real changes are going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, let's go. Okay. So, and I think, so for, for number one, I think Chicago is going to take, and I, I'm just saying this now. Do you want to do one by one? Well, let's talk about them one by one. So yeah, sure. Let's go. First one yeah. for Chicago. So I, I wanted to say, just, just a disclaimer here. Um, I just wanted to do this because I want to put it down on, 
I'm not going to say paper because we're talking, but put it down yeah. as official so we can come back to it in our next episode and say, you know what, I'm a, I'm an absolute clown. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, I do have some very interesting predictions coming up. So, and, and if this happens, I love it. But anyways, yeah, we can go ahead. So who do you think Chicago is going to take? Oh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea here. Uh, you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> okay, uh, so the Chicago Blackhawks take Connor Bedard. Yeah. Um, who apparently, I just learned, has um, apparently had some competitive issues. Now, it's because he, he, he played on the Regina Pats, I believe, and... Um, that team apparently wasn't willing to, and this is just coming from that video I was just describing. Like, these are the things I'm certain to kind of learn about. He apparently, Regina wasn't really willing to get to the next level. So, and, and that team wasn't as good as Bedard, obviously. So he lost some compete level and it showed. So there was concern about his willingness to compete and stuff like that. And this is kind of crazy to say about this guy because you'd never think about it. But, and apparently he ended up, mm-hmm getting back up to speed. Um, but imagine you're like, you know, Connor McDavid on the Arizona Ki- or the Chicago Blackhawks. We just looked at the roster. It'd be like, you know, what's the point of even yeah. trying? So exactly. I don't know. Um, but I, but I do think he's number one consensus. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Connor Bedard. Now this is where get, things get spicy. They, they already have an S3. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, Chicago probably already has a, a street named after him. So uh, we'll <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Do they have McDavid Avenue in Edmonton? I wonder. Uh, not yet. But what I could say is about Bedard as well. Like, I mean, the allegations that you're mentioning, we're going to be able to find out immediately from the first 10 games. Maybe not the first 10, but maybe the the, the first 20. We're going to see what kind of compete level he's going to have. And what kind of adversity as well. Like, he's, you know, he's been facing junior players uh, up until yeah, now. Yeah, that's that is true. Yeah, yeah. Wait well, until he he, yeah. he meets a, a Makar or Yossi or something. So, yeah, and and yeah, and the term that's a very interesting term you just use allegations uh, to the stand, Connor Bedard. Um, exactly. You know, you you don't compete. Anyways, uh, number two, Anaheim. Who do you think would Anaheim's take? Yeah, you know what. I'm not trying to be Mr. Joy Insider here, but I've been watching videos of him just naturally talking, naturally uh, doing some interviews. Um, I don't want to be one of those fans, those, those Twitter fans that watch like three minutes on YouTube and say, oh, I've scouted him for three months. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's it's pretty clear that it's going to be Andem uh, Fantelli here. I think he also has an incredible personality on top of everything that's been said about him. Um I can tell you that Bob McKenzie and Craig Button, both of them, they have him at number two with Anaheim. Yeah, it's it, it, it seems like the general consensus. However, I'm going to make a prediction here. And if I if hey, I, I better be I better start getting paid on this thing if mm-hmm. if I'm right. Okay. So I think um oh hold on, just something's loading here. Okay, I think for number two, the Anaheim Ducks are gonna be taking Matt V. Mitchkov. Okay. Because um, the Anaheim Ducks are a team with Zegers. They're a team with McTavish. Adam Fantilli 
it's an, it's it's very interesting because Adam Fantilli he is he's like a complete player. It's it's not necessarily like he's he's very smart, but I feel like they're missing. They've got Drysdale. They got their two centers. I believe McTavish is is good despite uh, certain beliefs. I think, and there's been rumors that that there's been some shakeups in the top four. It's not just Montreal that has this this pick to change everything. I yeah. believe that they say to themselves, you know what? We don't mind. There's two teams in the top four. I believe don't mind waiting it out, and that's San Jose, and I also believe that's Anaheim. And I think Anaheim would say, you know what? Uh, we're gonna go with this guy. He's gonna be. He's gonna fill out that top six really nicely. Whether he plays with Zegers or McTavish, and he is a lethal. And he's probably the second. He is not probably. He is the second most talented player in this draft, uh, and the second highest ceiling uh, behind Bedard. Um, so when I when I put one plus one uh, regarding the rumors of the Habs wanting to move up to number two, this goes hand in hand with what you just mentioned. If other teams are gonna pass pass on Mishkov, then maybe Anaheim has an incentive to go to number five, switch, um, you know, get some assets and switch uh, positions with the Habs and let the Habs uh, pick Fantelli. That because that's what they need. They need a big center. So. Yeah, you know what? Like, that's a whole different conversation um, in terms of that because that is an expensive trade for Montreal. Despite despite Anaheim maybe wanting to do it, I think that's very expensive. That would probably involve Kirby Doc and etc. Like it, it would it would yeah. be very expensive. Now um, that being said, okay. Uh, I, I believe Columbus would then take Adam Fantilli. And I believe they like him more than Leo Carlson, despite, like, just in general, in this draft. I think they like him more, obviously, because he is, I believe he is a better player. But Adam Fantilli uh, would fit that roster so well. And Leo Carlson's a very good player, but um, I see them taking him. Now, this is this is my prediction. This isn't like a ranking. This Obviously, people would be saying, you're crazy. Fantilli's going second. What are you talking about? You're out of your mind. Mm-hmm. No. Well, just in case it is, you would have said so. so. Yeah. So, it, hey, maybe I'm right. Okay. So, like I said, Bedard, Mitch Cobb, and I believe Fantilli would go then to um, uh, Columbus. How about yourself? So, who do you think's going third? I think if uh, if they're given the choice... Uh, our friend, uh, the GM in, in Columbus, is gonna for sure take this. Uh, the Swedish guy, he's gonna go with Carlson. Leo Carlson. Yeah, yeah. and he you fits that mold with them. Yeah, I, I, I haven't watched a whole lot of Carlson. I haven't looked at a whole lot, so I'm not gonna say like I'm a genius about him. But I've heard that he's a, uh, he's a strong. Did you know tr- that uh, Fantelli spoke French? No, I didn't actually. Yeah. Yeah, saw that on the, on TikTok the other day. So oh, uh, wow. I don't know if he was faking it or not, but he knows more than a sentence. He knows. The oh, okay. okay. He knows how to get himself in trouble and get out of it. So uh, he yeah. does. Uh, yeah. So again, yeah. Uh, oh, see, I learned you learn things every day. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm looking at podcasts or YouTube videos or YouTube channels, learning different things about different people, what they think, and you just told me something there. I did not know that he. Whether he's faking or not, you know, maybe that means he wants to go to Montreal. Oh, but it was it was pretty good. It was good, very good French. Oh, okay, I mean, okay. Again, I could be wrong here, but uh, he wasn't just saying the, the the regular bonjour and, and comment ça va. He was going a little bit more advanced. So I'm not sure if he studied French. Or mm. not. Um, mm-hmm. 
another thing as well is so we did the top three um the only thing i would say about mishkov before we move on here is uh is uh i saw this on twitter the other day uh, i think there's a little bit of uh, interesting uh you know, the developments that we're seeing in Russia right now and what that really means for someone like Mishkov. I know we're not here to talk politics, but uh, there might be some some way out of it. And I cannot personally believe that even if the player has a contract with the team that he cannot, you know, compensate them in some way or the Habs pay uh, or, or the organization pay something to, to get that player earlier. Um, we'll see. Uh, I know that Anaheim doesn't have a habit of, of rushing their players. Um, they rush those that are a sure, sure thing, but they have also a history of waiting out their their prospects and developing yeah. them the right way. So your Mishkov theory is is definitely something that uh, I'm not in a disagreement with. I I have heard a bit about Mishkov in terms of the whole Russian thing, and you know everyone's 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 been so distracted by the submarine that uh, see this is the thing you know like I said I don't want to talk about the submarine and I mentioned it like a hundred times here. Um. Everyone's been so distracted that this whole thing in Russia, I've heard that this guy, and there's been concern about, you know, how, how do you talk to Russian players? They're they're just coming over now. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to talk to them. Will they even be willing to even play here? Um, I've heard that Mitchkov wants to play in the National Hockey League. It's not like he's going to he's gonna debate at all, I don't think, to, to stay in Russia for an extended period of time. I know he has the contract. But um, there, there, I don't think there's a whole lot of concern. It's just waiting for him. And you have to think, there's a lot of incentive to him coming in at 20 years old on a three-year entry-level contract. For this guy, you're not getting defense, really. Like He would probably be a, a, a negative power player in terms of defense stats. But I think this guy's offense is unbelievable. I mean, like I just remember looking, looking at him last year and, and – and looking at his stats that he had, he had 22 goals in 22 games in the MHL. This is crazy. And so that's why Washington is really desperate to to get him if he falls. But I don't think so. I think this guy's a top four talent at least. And the top four teams would be crazy to have him fall out of there. But that's why I have him going as high as two. But, and he fits the role better for Anaheim. Anyways. Yeah, Washington, there's no way that they're going to pass on him. So Washington are at, at drafting at 8, and Detroit are at 9. Um, 32 thoughts worth saying that this is exactly the type of thing that Iserman loves to take chances on players like that. So um, there's it's absolutely no way that... Uh, there's absolutely no way that player like... Uh, uh, Briere from the from the Flyers are going to pass on him at, on seven, much less uh, the Capitals at eight, and yeah. Iserman is for sure going to seal the deal at nine. So yeah, I um, think I yeah. think the, I think the deal will sealed at, at eight. Um, I think for sure at, at seven, um, Philadelphia missed out on this type of player. Now this type of player was Cole Caulfield in this idea, yeah. of, you know, but this is a better player than Cole Caulfield in the sense of goal scoring and. And just offensive dynamo. Yeah, this unbelievable player. But um, but anyways, so I have, yeah, like I said, uh, third would be Fantilli. Now, number four, San Jose. Who do you think is going to San Jose? So, again, uh, Bob McKenzie, he has uh, Will Smith. Uh, Craig Button has Mishkov uh, going fourth. Um, I would... I don't have an opinion on San Jose just because I, like I mentioned in the last episode of the podcast, I have zero trust in the way that this organization is run. 
Um, so I'm assuming that they're either going to make a really bad decision or a really good one, and it's not even intentional. So I, I think, you know, they might go the, the safe route with someone like uh, Smith, uh, but they also might take a chance on Mishkov if he's available. And it's just going to be between these two. I mean, the thing is this. Yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. San Jose has just gotten this. I mean, they just got this new GM. I, I believe that they're trying to go in the right direction. It's just been so long since they've... I mean, they, they were in the Stanley Cup final in 2016 against the Penguins. And it was like, you know, since then, there hasn't been anything with the Sharks. And uh, I, they have they have anchors on that team. Anchors. Vlasic, they have... Yep, I'm looking at it right here. Eric the, Carlson, Vlasic... Uh, yeah. Uh, it's Hurdle, anchor. Couture, yep. And, and Couture and Hurdle are, are definitely, I think, movable at some point in their careers, but I think Couture is signed for four more years. I, we can keep you know, putting the Sharks down, but I just think that I, they got Eklund. It would be, say in your, dra- in your um, position, if I was saying that Mitchkov didn't go second, I would definitely say that he was going to go fourth. Um, San Jose... Is also another team I think is 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 open to the waiting game, considering where they are in their in their rebuild, retool, whatever you want to call it. This has to be a rebuild, but they're not even there yet. They've got Eklund. They don't really have defensive prospects, goaltending yeah. prospects. They're very they're very bare bone. So this would be like huge for them. They're to get this. I wouldn't. It's not to say he's not going to be generational, but just offensive dynamo and Mitchkov to play next to William Eklund on the top pair on the top line is, it would be fantastic. And I think that's the route they would go. Another thing I've heard is Ryan Leonard, which is quite crazy in my opinion. In my, and I'm going to say this for the record. Now I'm not a fan of Ryan Leonard. I'm going to say like, if the Habs pick him over Ryan Bacher, that's okay. But, and if that happens, but I'm not a fan of, and I'm going to say that for the record, and I hope I prove myself wrong, whether he's a Hab or whether he's any other. Well, um, you might be onto something. I mean, uh, Bob has him at uh, six, and uh, Greg has him at seven. So that's where he's supposed to go. I just feel like San Jose really likes him, um, from what I've heard, and um, and this is just in the, when I say from what I'm, I heard, I'm not. Uh, Bob McKenzie here, like I'm calling no. scouts. Okay, I'm looking at uh, people who know their stuff and and listening to what they're saying, and and just compiling my opinion off of that. If I had an opinion of where I'd rank Leonard, it would probably be where you said, um, probably around eight or nine. Um, however, that's not to say he's not a good player. I just think very similar to Ryan Bacher, uh, there's a better options. But I've heard that San Jose is interested in him. But in my case of this mock draft. Bedard, Mitchkov, Fantilli, I think San Jose goes for Leo Carlson. And that would be perfect. And a lot of teams like to build down the middle. Yeah. Um, you'd have William Eklund that you drafted in 20-something. <laughs> I forget. Yep. And uh, then you'd have Leo Carlson. That's a perfect one-two punch. Um, Seventh overall, 2021. 2021. I don't know why I was going to say 19. I don't know why I was thinking yeah, 2021. So he's in. He's a he's a solid player. So uh, if they have Leo Carlson, that's only just as can you imagine? Leo Carlson, um, by the way, is Swedish. So just like Icelandic. number five. The... Yeah, what were you saying? 
I was just gonna say that uh, Eklund is Swedish, just like Carlson. Mm. You, you get you get the two Swedish centers. Yeah. To build with. Yeah, I mean, I I think it would be very entertaining to them. And apparently, there's a tie between. Um, there's been talk about Columbus going for him, or yeah, Columbus going for him because of the tie uh, with. Um, with the GM. Yeah, with the GM, and that means passing over Fantilli. Um, That's however, crazy. And, and and this is the this is the case of you know Mitch Godbur second. That's uh, right. You know, so yes, it is crazy, but um, but Leo Carlson is very good. I'm not going to put him down. This is a good player. Now number five. That's the one I'm excited about. <laughs> I wonder why. Well, Bob, <laughs> I, I'm telling you right now, I'm I'm sold on Will Smith. I am sold. I'm telling you right now, Mr. Anti Slavkovsky is going to be all over this guy, and I have, he hasn't even played a single game yet in the league. Uh, Will Smith, I am all on him. Uh, Bob Smith, Bob McKenzie has uh, the Habs picking Mishkov. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and if that's the case, you're going to see riots in Montreal. Yeah, you know, yeah. celebrations, riots, whatever you want to call them. Um, if Craig Button is right, uh, they're going with Will Smith. Uh, what do you think? So, if Mitchkov, so in my in my mock, uh, Mitchkov's taken. But if Mitchkov was available at number five, they will not take him. And the reason right. I say that is, um, and I've posted this on Twitter, uh, Montreal already uh, already needs and depends on two under six foot players. Okay, yep. Suzuki and Coffee. And Caulfield being five foot seven, okay. They, I, I, despite him being this generational, but the, the problem is his size, and and I, I know it's it's it hurts to say it sometimes, but his size, the Russian factor, unfortunately, and amongst other things, I don't know if they even have. I mean, they might have had an interview with him. Yeah. Are just I, I don't see it. I don't see it working out. Despite him being maybe the second most talented player, highest ceiling in the draft. I think I think there's too much risk, and plus, they want to roll with Caulfield and Suzuki. These are the only two players on the team that are locked up long term. Having another guy, like imagine you had Suzuki, Caulfield, and Mitchkov. Not saying that's going to be a, a a line in the future, in any future. But I'm saying, imagine that was a line. My God, that is like that. That is so small, and 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 I hate. I know. I, I, if you talked to me a year ago. I would have been like, ah, you know what? It's the yeah. new NHL. Small players are the new thing. It doesn't matter about being big. Big players are horrible. Well, now look at like at the Vegas Golden Knights win. Their defense is huge, mobile. I, I start looking at guys like Reinbacher and Simashev, and I'm like, these players are these defensemen are are what teams want. So, I don't know. In my opinion, number five leaves Will Smith available. Will Smith is being taken. Um, Kent Hughes has connections with him since in Boston. Um, yep. Apparently, he's known him since he was a kid or something like that. He coached uh, him as well. Yeah, so there you go. And I just and and I think you know Kent Hughes is is at the draft table with the uh, with uh, earmuffs over his head. You know, like Lapointe Lapointe and um, uh, Christopher <laughs> Rockstrom and and all these yeah. guys are like, hey man, let's go for Mishkov, and he's just like, whatever. Uh, I think I, I didn't hear you. Did you say Will Smith? <laughs> yeah, uh, Will Smith. Yes, <laughs> uh, we make uh, Will Smith. Yeah, the Russian so, Will Smith. Yeah. So I think uh, I, I I like Will Smith. I like him a lot. I've already been yeah. f- fantasizing about him 
um, whether he's the first center, probably the first center above Suzuki. But if it's a 1A, 1B thing and and Will Smith takes on more of an offensive role and, and Suzuki is more of a two-way guy, I think that's a recipe for success. So I'm hoping, hoping that he's the pick and he's available. That's to say if, if obviously a lot of a lot of people are saying that the first four picks are probably going to be, you know, your, your usual three and then yep. Will Smith to San Jose, and then are the, the the filthy, unfortunate scraps and plus Mishkov uh, to Montreal, and who and that's that's where the fun begins. But hopefully we don't get to that point and we get Will Smith. I'm telling you, Will Smith, six foot, 172 pounds. He's very. So good. let's just say, let's just say 230, and when he's 23 years old, you cannot ask for a better outcome than this. If they get if they get Dubois. And they say, oh, well, we don't need centermen. Then they can start looking elsewhere. But I'm telling you right now, a Will Smith, Doc, Suzuki, um, maybe Stavkovsky, Caulfield. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. So so did you say 230 pounds? Well, right now he's 172. If you wait, like, a, you know, give him five years to bulk up, he's going to be 200, 230. Between okay. 200 and 230. Okay. I'm going to say 200 is perfect. If he's 230... We gotta get him away from Slavkovsky. <laughs> Give him, we gotta get him away from the McDonald's diet. But, uh, um, and, and, and no, but I'm just is, saying that 172 yeah. for an 18 year old. That's what I'm saying. Like, if, no, if, that. If but the, guy, the thing is that if you look at other prospects, and you'll, I don't know if if the trend is that's that's a good weight to be at 18, 172. If he gets to around 180, 185 to 195, it's not bad. 200 would be perfect, but but look at Mitchkov. He's 148. I don't know what is updated. But that's another thing. Teams don't know what's going on with with the Russian players, so they don't know the update. What they're you know what's going on. So they don't for know me updated. that that is such a bad situation right now. Like I cannot believe I can't even hear believe my ears here when I'm when I'm seeing um, things on Twitter and social media being said that you know uh, this prospect or this prospect is going to meet at the draft the team do you really think that uh, people are going to jeopardize their pick just on on a five minute conversation so yeah um, but again at the same time to point. make a counter argument of what I've, what i just said is i think they made up their mind with stavkovsky the day of in that final interview with uh, with jeff uh, jeff molson so nobody really knows if they meet the guy and he's really really a nice guy then that's great if the guy is really um you know, set on going to Washington, uh, then he might be behaving differently just with the other teams, just so he he, he kind of dictates where he goes. Um, the last yeah. thing you need is is a is a Mayu situation again, where uh, maybe not a Mayu, but like a, a player where you draft him and he he causes a, a fuss for you. That's not going to be good. So, and I yeah. think they're going to yeah. avoid that as well. Sometimes it pans out. I mean, you, like I said earlier about Matthew Kachuk being a pain in the butt for Flames management. It panned out and then it didn't. So, uh, anyways, but yeah. um, I think I think that yeah, both our consensus is Will Smith at five. Uh, I was going to say number six, Arizona. Who do you have them taking? And we don't have to go to ten. I think we, I think we might just end at six if you if you want. But uh, we can. I'm just looking yeah, at. Yeah, I think at I the just want to do the top six. Like I said earlier, it's just kind of the the top six. I think is where the real shifting is. And then the rest of the draft. I mean, who knows at this point, right? So, um, I just want to find the 
the uh, the Bob McKenzie list because I, I had so it here I, in front of you. I'll, I'll, I'll go first. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so I, this is an Number off the six. board. This is an off the board pick. Yep. Um, but not off the board because every team. Sorry. Most people have this guy in the top 10. He's going to be taken in the top 10, but I don't believe he's a top 10 talent. And that is uh, David Reinbacher. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is not best player available. This is Arizona taking uh, a positional need. And I know as you know, we can say, oh, well, they're going to take the best player available. Well, they drafted Cooley. They drafted Gunther. Um, they have guys up, up top like Keller and Michelli and, and the defense, they've got Victor Schroederstrom, but to tell you the truth, that's that's about it. They traded. They Chich- drafted uh, last year. They drafted Maverick Lemuro, and I don't know what. You're doing. Yeah, that's you're not right. really a prominent name. I don't know what pick was that. Uh, it was 29th overall. Yeah, so who knows what he becomes? Was he a forward? Mm-hmm. No, that's a defense. I'm just saying that they're defensive prospects in terms of. Uh, okay, and uh, is Ryan he? A, do you know if he's a left-handed defenseman? That guy, I think he is. Oh, I can check it. Because I, I believe I, when I checked it, he was. He was a pretty high pick. He's um, he's a right-handed defenseman, six foot four, six foot seven. Sorry, six foot seven. Holy mackerel! The only thing about this is that David Reinbacher, he is. Listen, he he performs he performed well in the National League, uh, men's league in Switzerland. He. I believe, in my opinion, his, he, he has a very, very, oh, not very, very, but he has a low ceiling, meaning that his potential is not going to be very, very high. But he has a high floor, meaning that he is probably what you expect him he's going to be. He's not going to be any worse than mm-hmm. that for anyone who doesn't know those terms. So low ceiling, high floor. High floor being yeah. probably definitely an NHL defenseman, probably a second pairing guy. Um if, if I didn't listen to today's podcast uh, about um, Pietrangelo being compared to Chris Pronger, I would have told you he's a version of Chris Pronger, where he's a good shutdown guy, nothing too fancy, but eats a lot of minutes. I think that's what Ryan Becker is, is maybe destined to be. I, I think and again, I'm not comparing uh, yeah. to yeah. Pietrangelo, but I'm just saying that you know he's not Vlasic, but he's not Chris Pronger either. He's somewhere in between. Yeah, so so Ryan Becker, I believe um, he's a if you go look at his 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 description on elite prospects, and from what I've heard, um, he's he's definitely developed a, a much more defensive role. He's very like, and this is the thing. This is the conversation I like to have around the draft. When do we look at? Why do we call? Okay, what wins you championships? Defense. Okay, so why don't we have defense? Why, why don't we prioritize defense and free agency drafts, whatever? We prioritize offense. We prioritize creativity. Right. We prioritize stick handling yeah. or or how, and and rarely do we. Well, I, I should correct. What wins you? Yeah, what wins you championships is shutdown ability, but nobody's paying premium for shutdown ability. That's the thing. You can get no, yeah. you can get Savard to shut down a team. You know. Okay, to an extent. You can get Sharat. You can get. Uh, I see. Yeah. I I believe that. That's the thing. I think that Reinbacher gives you that. He's a safe pick, and he's yeah. he's a positional need, and he's gonna go top ten in my opinion. And I believe it's gonna be the Arizona. I don't see them picking anyone else. They need a right-handed defenseman in their in their pool. They have Victor Soderstrom. They have that guy you mentioned, but we'll see how he does. 
Um, yep. they've, they've got the forward stacked up. And, and that's the thing. I don't dislike Reinbacher. If Reinbacher gets picked by Montreal, yeah. I'm not going to... I'm not going to shut down this podcast and say I'm never, I hate hockey. <laughs> like, this is the thing. This is the, the, you go on Twitter or whatever. I mean, we're using Twitter a lot here, but it's really funny. You go to Facebook, Facebook, everyone's like, you know, uh, the thing is and, you can't even go on Facebook. Facebook is always showing you uh, rumors of uh, last year, you know? So it's, uh, it's yeah. Algorithm yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but so just to go back on, on number six. So Bob McKenzie has Leonard going there to Arizona Mm. And Craig Button has Matthew Wood, which is a left-hand um, or center, six-foot-four player for Arizona. So I'm just going to say this right now. Yeah. Um, and this is for the record. So I, I hope I listen back to this podcast, this episode, yep. Uh, yep. in in two three years when I'm either super right or super wrong. But yep. Leonard and 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 Wood, I think Oliver Moore is better than both of them. Okay. Um, this guy, Oliver Moore is, is just, I mean, such a creative player, such a, I feel like this, this, the movement in this draft is really biased to size, whether that be good or bad. Um, and, and having Mitchkov in the top five being as not necessarily short, but as light as he is. And with the whole Russian thing that speaks volumes to how good he is at hockey. Um, a lot of other players are in this draft don't have the the luxury of being as good as Mitchkov, but they they unfortunately have a similar issue, which is the size, and they fall. Um, I just find it interesting that I that I have those two, you know, pretty big insiders saying that uh, Arizona is going to be targeting targeting centers. Um, you know, me, I'm a huge fan of Connor Geeky. You're maybe not or whatever, but he is a six foot five center. Um, I'm not sure what their depths in terms of centers are, um, but it um, can't be that that prominent either. I'd, so. I, I would just like to mention, because this, this has completely evaded me here. You're looking yeah. at Button and, and Bob McKenzie. Are these... Yeah draft rankings or mock drafts mock drafts both of them oh okay and, i thought um, you were looking at the draft rankings but i'm say, just saying that you know yeah. when you have like someone like connor geeky you have Cole, logan cooley why are these two people still putting centers i think they're yeah it's mock drafts so they, they think that arizona is is going to be putting priority on on centers okay that's what i'm so yeah. you mentioned uh leonard leonard is actually um okay I'm, I'm not going to say this for certain, but uh, he's um, – and I'm not comparing players here, but positionally, yeah. he's Jonathan Durant. Okay? He's not okay. a center. He he's would rather winger. be a no. Okay. He's a, he's a winger. He played he played a mix all season, but um, I think teams would be looking at him as a, as a winger. You, I wouldn't take the risk on at Leonard and say that he's going to be a center. And the video I, I mentioned earlier, I plugged in, um, he – like – this was this is the thing that caught my my attention when I was listening because I was at the gym listening to it. Uh, it was um, yeah. So when they mentioned Leonard, oh yeah. So Leonard, yeah, they're going to be really happy with uh, this kind of winger. And I was like, oh yeah, because he's not a center. I everywhere you go, everyone says he's a center, and I believe it's because I don't know who he played with on that team. So this is the thing. I'm not so well well versed. So that's why. You know, take my my mock draft and rankings with a grain of salt because I'm not Bob McKenzie or anyone who does this for a living. 
but uh, I haven't, I don't know yeah. who he played with, but I feel like whoever he played with pushed him out of center and he kind of swapped in between roles. But if he's swapping in and out, this is his draft year. This is his biggest year and he's not playing his position yep. and he's playing wing most of the time because he's playing center, left wing and right wing. So I think you'd, you'd say, teams would look at him and say, I'm looking at Leonard and he's going to be on our wing. He could play center, like the Jonathan Duran experience. He could play center, but why would you risk that and say, yeah, we're drafting a center, and then he ends up not being one? We'll see. I mean, only time will tell. Um, when I'm looking at this as well, I mean, I, I don't want to get too caught because pretty much all these high prospects, they all have the same numbers. But still, uh, this <laughs> yeah. Leonard guy, he had 51 goals in 57 games. Um, he, he's considered to be the the power forward of this draft. He's considered... Usually, I don't, I don't get too caught up into this usually, but like, you know, if he had less goals, I would have said, okay, maybe he's a playmaker, maybe to your point about being a, a part-time center when he's a, really a winger naturally. Uh, but this, you know, he still managed somehow to put in 50 goals in there. And I think 50 goals mean nothing in this one. Didn't you say mm-hmm. like Gretzky scores 120? Uh, I don't know what. Like, I know that, but still. Uh, well, I mean, Caulfield scored, uh, I think, 100. So. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Yeah, so like, okay. Um, he, yeah, so I think. 50 goals, what a bum. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he scored He scored 70, and then he moved to, not in the U.S. National Development Program, he moved to the USHL and scored 20. I, I, like I said, grand assault, I don't have it up, sorry guys, but um, yeah. But Leonard is considered to be the, the power forward of this draft. Apparently he is the the kind of guy that is I've heard t- people say that Montreal really needs this guy. It's like Gallagher, but skilled. <laughs> it's, it's someone that's, that's, that's so competitive. Once, you know, he, he's, he's driving the play. He's, he's for his size, he's physical. He's like a little rat and he's, he can score. He's, he's skilled. Um, but they, they call him, I don't know. I would almost consider him almost like a little bulldog. Um, so, you know, that's why that's why I don't like him because Montreal doesn't – I don't feel Montreal needs that. I feel Montreal – and I don't think Montreal needs Reinbacher. They've got the fence covered, in my opinion. Um, right. co- fully covered, who knows. But, you know, they got Gooley. They got Jack Guy. They got – I mean Jack Guy. But they got um, Harris. They've got Matheson to trade. I, I personally – believe they should get rid of him but that's a guy still on the lineup and very good you know so that's the thing i just believe um it's not the player they really need and there's other guys in terms of talent top six scoring playmaking whatever it is i don't really want a a potential winger cross mix center who's like josh anderson you know so i don't know yeah you don't know where you're gonna put him and every every game is different and and then after 15 games they're gonna say oh he's getting used to the smaller ice and i don't know what and, <laughs> and, and this yeah. uh, this becomes out of control real quick okay <laughs> um all right yeah. so to wrap things up i guess for uh, number six um you said uh, you said that we had leonard um on bob's blessed uh, going six we had wood going six for arizona uh, according to Craig Button. Uh, number seven, um, Craig has Leonard going there to Philadelphia. Um, and Dvorsky, according to Bob McKenzie, going to Philadelphia. Okay. Um, number eight for Washington. This is where both of them, they agree that they're going to get Ryan Becker. Um, I think 
they're in need of, of defense. Uh, okay. Again, yeah, this yeah. is a mock draft, so I don't think it's the most talented players. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know what Washington has for defense. I think they, the last defense prospect that I know of, of for Washington was like Alexiev. So maybe you can help me out here, but I I don't yeah, think Alexiev. Washington has a lot of defense. Alexiev. Yeah, I, I can't think of anything else. I'm drawing blanks here. Um, yeah, I can take a look yeah. quickly here. Let's they they, they drafted someone. <laughs> yeah, so Capitals they they drafted Ryan Chesley last year, um, yeah. second round. Okay. As far as defense, and last year, sorry, that was last year, but the year before, they spent their first three picks on defense only. Um, mm. So maybe they're they're good there, um, but we'll see. Time would time would they, tell for both. This is the first time in a while they've had a high pick, right? So. Um, that too. They've been a, in a habit of, of trading their picks. I can quickly glance at this. And, and plus, yeah, they've last been, year. And, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, and plus, they've been good. They've made the playoffs, so they haven't had picks that were necessarily, uh, you know, up top 10. Yeah, right. So. Yeah, their last first round picks was uh, 20th overall, uh, 22th overall, 25th overall, 31st overall. So yeah, they've been at the bottom of the first round uh, for, the, for, the, for a while now. So yeah, yeah. So um, I think I think I think then they would probably focus on talent. So yeah. I'm just going to say I'm going to say my picks. I'm not going to go too deep into them. So I'm going to just revise yeah. what I've said so far in terms of my picks. So number one, I believe. Um, are we going to do the top 10? Are you going to go through the rest of them for the button and, and Mackenzie? Nah, we're good. I, okay. So we'll stick go ahead with yours. Okay. Um, actually I'll go 10 and I, cause I got them in my head. Okay. So this is what I predict. Okay. And this is for the record. So if I'm listening back to this, um, you know, don't hate me. Okay. Number one, Connor Bedard. Number two, Matvey Michkov. Number three, Adam Fantilli. Number four, I have uh, Leo Carlson. Number five, Will Smith. Number six, David Reinbacher. Number seven, uh, Zach Benson. Number eight, Dalibor Dvorsky. Number nine, Oliver Moore. Number 10, Nate Danielson. Okay, those are my picks. And I'll just speak a little bit about Danielson. Um, the... The, the St. Louis Blues, they lost Ryan O'Reilly. Danielson's a, a strong two-way center. Um, I think he's a perfect replacement. He's a good player. Um, I believe the Canucks have been kind of targeting him. Um, they need centers as well as as well as well right-handed defensemen. Uh, that's why I think the Canucks at 11 would probably go with uh, Axel Sandin-Palika, who um, some people do not like, and apparently Canucks fans do not like, but... That's a that that can be discussed if they do make that pick. If they do make that pick, and we had this pod or episode three after, or we don't yeah. have. Hopefully, we don't. Just a disclaimer: we may. I'm not going to say we're definitely doing episode three after based on today. I mean, there could be three mega trades uh, tomorrow, and we're we're back at this. So I know. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna wing it. We're gonna wing it. This is yeah, well, like yeah. this exactly. So, and this one is actually quite long, and it's kind of flown by, but. Uh, those are my top 10 picks, uh, possibly 11 there with the Canucks at 11. Uh, I'd like to see what happens. And this is going to be exciting for me as a Habs fan. And um, because we're doing this on the podcast, uh, it's going to be exciting to see where and who, where people go and, and who picks who and for what reason and how they fit. Um, but draft, draft time is always really fun. 
Um, so I'd, and it's gonna be really fun around this doing this podcast, maybe around uh, the start of the season and trade deadline and whatever. That's right. Well, good. Um, I agree with you. I I would say that I'm pretty passionate about the first five. Uh, I'll be honest. Um, it's going to be interesting. I know that I'm going to take a look at the first round after it's said and done from all the different teams, and I'm going to evaluate maybe what they did with the rest of the other rounds as well the next day. Um, maybe we can find some teams that we want to talk about more specifically. I I know I'm going to be paying a little bit more attention to those chaotic teams like Calgary and, and, and Winnipeg and um, and see what, what teams like, um, like Pittsburgh do as well. Uh, Nashville, what they're doing as well with, the, with their new GM as well and emptying those uh, cap space. So it's going to be very interesting. I, I think uh, we're going to compile those and, and revisit them later on. Yeah, so, I mean, I think I think it should be pretty fun. I think it should be good, and we'll probably come up with a, a few topics here coming up in the next few days as well as the draft and I mean, who knows, right? It just uh, so much going on, and like like we said, we're in the middle of something right now, right? I mean, with this, with this, with this Philadelphia St. Louis trade, and oh my goodness, it's like I, I thought this was the off season. Yeah. One last uh, question I'll have uh, for you here before we end this: Do you think the Habs trade their fifth pick? No, but I do think there's going to be trades by Kent Hughes. So I personally think that they're going to stay at five as well. So I agree with you on that. I'm not so sure about the Florida pick where that's going to end up. We might end up drafting a need in terms of, uh, you know, the best goalie available or maybe the best defenseman, second mm-hmm. best defenseman or something like that. I think if I'm if I'm in, in Kent's shoes, that's what I would have done. I would keep it and, and bank on the best player in that position that nobody has picked yet. That's what yeah, I would have done. I, I would do the same. I would do the same. And I've I've only heard uh, people mention. Uh, I've heard people mention the goalies, um, yeah. picking the best goalies. I know the two best goalies in this draft, uh, likely. They're 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 they project well, um, but I would probably use a second pick for that, and and I at the second round pick. Sorry, um, and then in the terms of the Florida pick, go for uh, yeah the best player available that they believe. Perfect. Um, I don't have anything else to want to. Oh, I guess I can say. I guess I can just like this. This episode should probably be named uh, uh, "Disclaimers." Um, <laughs> my, uh, if if there's been sudden pauses in in us talking during this, uh, it's because I'm you know at McDonald's in Afghanistan. Um, this is this Wi-Fi is horrific. <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on. So I hope you've been able to deal with the pauses if there have been any. There might have been one near the end here. <laughs> I was like, I don't hear anyone talking. But because um, we do not on weekends, I'm just in a different situation in location wise. So um, but um, usually we're probably we'll I, probably think still, I think we. Yeah, just because yeah, we're probably the utility still was more important. <laughs> We keep talking over each other. I was going to say we're probably still aim for one um, once a week, um, but like we said, I mean, there's 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 situations like this. I mean, since our last podcast, there's been that many topics, um, almost two hours worth of topics. So, yeah. 
But uh, no, yeah, I think you, this has been helpful. This has been good. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have much to say. I think we're going to get into a habit of uh, jumping on those podcasts. Uh, I think the first one was kind of a little bit scripted, but I think then the next ones are going to be a little bit more fluid and natural. Uh, we're going to spend a, lo- a little bit more time, you know, that examining the topics uh, more than preparing in advance for them. I think this is going to be, um, I invite the audience and then the listeners as soon as, you know, some big event happens, uh, we're always going to be, you know, at least we're going to try, depending on our availability, to jump on the topics and, and look at them as well from a fan perspective. So yeah. that's kind of the aim of the podcast. And I think I think there should be an open invitation yep. as well here. I mean, not to everybody. <laughs> well, to everybody, but, um, yeah. you know, we're, we're totally open. Yeah, I get to it. Having, yeah. we're, we're totally open to having people on the podcast. And, let, you know, it's, it's us too, but... Uh, we're totally open to having others from, I mean, I, mean, I share this with majority of Habs fans because I'm a Habs fan, but if you're listening to this from, from a team that maybe we haven't talked about or you'd like to, you have something to talk about, just give us a message on Twitter or something like that. Um, yep. we've, we, we might have some people lined up already. We'd like to get some people on this show. Um, and who knows how long that will go. I mean, two hours, we're, we're talking to each other for two hours. I mean, uh, we might have to, to, but to I, I love the idea of, of potentially having some some people on with us, uh, whether it's people we personally know or or people that can give perspectives on from other uh, from other cities as well. So exactly, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. And 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 don't be afraid to reach out. It's not like we're mega famous and we, you know, we don't have time to read a, a Twitter DM. Uh, message us on yeah. Twitter, or um, I can plug in our, our, our handle here. So it's um, at C two C T H P. C2C, THP, and it stands for Coast, Coast to Coast, the Hockey Podcast. Yeah, yeah. And if you need to reach anywhere, uh, any, both of us, uh, our Twitter handles are in the description of that one. So that is uh, Coast to Coast, the Hockey Podcast, at C2C, THP. Perfect. Well, let's end, end it there, March. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. Um, yeah, it's been good. That's it. Thank yeah. you for your time. Okay, yeah, thanks for yours, man. All right. See you guys. See ya.